You're listening to Connection Church's podcast. Good morning, church. Y'all awake? Y'all happy to be here this morning? All right. All right. I'm proud to be back. Last week was horrible. I had the stomach virus, and I thought I was going to die. Tell you how awesome, uh, tell you really how sick I was, but awesome, uh, really how awesome my wife was is um, I got sick Saturday afternoon and uh, I came out of the spare bedroom at two o'clock Sunday afternoon. And Sabrina was like, I was wondering if you made it in there or not. (laughs) She was making sure that she didn't or the baby caught that thing. And I'm I'm thankful that she didn't. But it's it's a privilege to be here with you this morning. if you will, go ahead and turn in your Bible to 1 Peter chapter 1. You know, we, we're winding down. This is the last message of the sermon series, Built to Last. And, and the whole thing is focused on how when we realize our purpose, when we realize who we are in God and what God's called us to do, the church is built to last the test of time. I'm constantly reminded of, of Peter when he says, when, when Jesus says, look, I'm going to use you. You're going to be the rock. And on you, I'm going to build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against us, against it. So, I mean, I want you to realize, when we realize our purpose, when we realize who we are in Jesus Christ, there's, I mean, there's nothing that can hold us back from being what God's created us to be. We just have to accept that and follow him. Amen? A lot of us are, are just hung up on that, and we're not really growing in Christ. We kind of just, we kind of, you know, get caught up in religion. We come to church, and, and, and sometimes... If we're really honest, if you're really honest with yourself, can you call yourself a person that is growing into the likeness of Christ? Or are you just somebody that shows up on Sunday morning? 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23. It says, Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. For all people are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and deceit, hypocrisy, evil, I mean envy, and slander of every kind, like newborn babes. Crave spiritual milk so that by it you will grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. And verse, yeah, verse 4. As you come to him, the living stone rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. When I read that text, you know, at the end where it says being built into a spiritual house. I mean, being built means, means we're growing, right? To, to build something. It's awesome to, to ride by and see, a, to me, see an apartment complex or see a house being built. And you go by one day and, and you see the foundation being laid. And you go back the next day and you see the walls up. And, you know, it's a progressive thing, right? That house didn't just all of a sudden appear. See, we're not going to, once we accept Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, we don't arrive all of a sudden in the likeness of Christ. Amen? 
Some of you need, I mean, the struggle's real sometimes, right? Well, sometimes we're struggling as hard as we can just, just to make it through the week, and, and sometimes we forget to even talk to the Lord. I'm not trying to diminish things, but, I mean, the, a true follower of Christ, us that are we really intent and follow him, we have to be intentional with following him, with pursuing him, so that we're growing into Christ-likeness. If we're going to be built into the spiritual house that God's called us to be built into. When I'm thinking about being built, talking about every stone stacking on top of one another. Each one of you in this room matters. Your, your growth with Jesus Christ, your growth in being made into the likeness of God, it matters and it is important to the mission that God's given us. That's why none of us can be slack. That's why none of us can just be lackadaisical about following Christ. That's why it's so important that we are pursuing him all out 100% every single day. And as each of us are doing our part and we're being stacked upon one another, those of us that have been following Christ longer than others, we're being refined. We're being, we're being kind of chipped away so that we are still being made in the likeness of Christ. I, we never stop growing until we get to heaven. That means we should, never be, we should never be satisfied with being, not being filled. If we go through point, times in our lives, when we go through points when we're dry, when, when, when you know, we don't feel like God's speaking to us. That's not the time to give up. That's time to press in, amen? That's time not to give up. I've got to keep seeking, keep diving into God's Word. See, we've got to be intentional. Growth doesn't just happen. In today's church, we've got this illusion to think that as soon as we say the sinner's prayer, or as soon as we raise our hand for salvation and we pray for God to come into our heart, as soon as that happens, then that's it. We're, we're okay. But that's just the beginning. That's just, where, that's just where it all starts. And from that moment on, we should be, be pursuing God boldly, pursuing God passionately. To be built into something takes intentionality. That's one thing that God has been, I think that's, you know, I've, I always heard people say, what's your word for the year? I'm like, man, I don't know what you're talking about. You know, some people take a word and they, they focus on that all year long. And, 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 and my, one of the things that God really just put in my heart for the past three or four years was be intentional. Be intentional for the way you live. Be intentional with the way you act. Be intentional in your pursuit of God. Because if you're not intentional, you'll just allow anything to sway you. You'll allow anything to sway your time, to sway everything about you. So if we're going to grow for the glory of God, then we've got to be intentional. Amen? We've got to be intentional with his word. We've got to be intentional in prayer. We've got to be intentional. And if we're going to be intentional, it's going to consume us. And it should consume us. You know, I think we think there's a lot of misconceptions about maturity. See, that's where we're going to, we're to grow into mature Christians. And maturity, so many people think that you're mature in Christ. If I know me, when I first got saved, I thought that, that the older men in the church that had, that had been there, for 50 years, you know, I thought, man, those, those guys had it all together. I thought they were spiritually mature. The amount of years you've been to church is not an indicator to how much spiritually mature you are. It, it's, it's just, there's so many people that, that are still, they've been going to church. That's all they've been doing. They've just been going to church. They haven't been growing in a relationship with God. People think that just because you know a lot about the Word, that you just know the Word of God, that's a misconception. Just because you know it doesn't mean it's affecting your life. See, that's what it is. We can know God's word backwards and forwards, but if we're not applying it to our life, what are we doing? Y'all going to be quiet this morning. 
I know I've been gone two weeks. Y'all got to come on. See, when I think about what marks people that are mature, so many times people want to quote Scripture. If you hear somebody quoting Scripture, and you're like, oh, man, that, that man's got it together. Man, don't quote me no Scripture. You live it out. Live it out in front of me. If you can quote Scripture, great, but can you back that up with applying it to your life? That's, how, that's what people look at us. It ain't about how, that we go to church religiously. It ain't that we, if we go to a connect group or if we read God's word, that's all great and that helps you in the growth process, but us applying it to our life and living it out every single day shows if it is reaching, that seed is planted in our heart and it's growing. So ask yourself this morning, am I growing in Christ? See, that's the, that's the key thing to this whole Christian walk that we that we kind of neglected so many years. It's not about coming to this service. This service is for us to come and, and worship the King of kings and Lord of lords together, but it, it's not about just coming to this service. It's about growing into Jesus, growing into the likeness of him. It's about shedding sin and pursuing God. And if we're not doing that, then what are we doing? We're just playing games. We're just showing, having the appearance of godliness, but denying the power thereof. We're not really pursuing him. That's why the church isn't holy. That's why, that's why people are, are okay with living in sin because they're not growing and pursuing Christ. And that's what God's called us to be. He's called us to be people that are growing into his likeness. When I look at what mature spirituality looks like, I see a man or a woman that's humble. I see a man or woman that is, that is humble. They, they're not this self-righteous hypocrite to think they know everything. They understand that they are a sinner. They understand that they are falling short of the glory of God, but they are humble and they're willing to learn. Are you humble? Somebody that's mature. Somebody that's spiritually mature, they are obedient to God's word. They read God's word and they do what it says. They want to obey God above everything else. When I read in the book of Hebrews, it's Hebrews 5.14, it says to be able to discern between evil and good. The people that are spiritually mature, they can discern between what is pleasing to God and what is not pleasing to God. You know why? Because they spent intentional time understanding God's Word and reading it so that they know what pleases God. And that's what we as God's people, that's what, as we're growing into His likeness, that's what we have to be, that's what we have to do. See, coming just to this Word, just coming to God's Word, I, I've said it, if you're in my connect group, then you, you probably shouldn't roll your eyes, but yeah, the back row just did it. Um, just reading this word like it's a history book, just reading this word, just, just to gain information, you're doing nothing. You've got to read God's word and allow it to speak to you and say, all right, God, what do I need to do in this? Well, what, what is this saying to me? I'm not just coming in here reading this saying, okay, I read my Bible, check. No, what is the God's word telling me that I need to change? What is God telling me that I need to be more intentional in? What is it saying? And then when it, when it speaks to you, then you do what it says do. That's what people that are growing are supposed to do. See, when I think about growth in the church and I think about what, that we're being built into a spiritual house, I think about three things. I think about, one, that we grow individually. As we grow individually, that's the most important thing. But while we're growing individually, we grow together in community. And then as we're growing together in community, we're growing in the mission that God's given us as his people. When I think about growing individually, I go back to, to 1 Peter chapter 2. Verse 2, it says, like newborn babies, crave 
pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. So in the beginning, like newborn babes, I mean, think about that. That newborn baby, what's the, the only thing it wants is what? It wants milk. That's all that newborn baby wants. It just wants, and it craves it because you know what? When you don't give it to it, you hear it cry. Dallas is getting a good dose of that right now. And I will in a couple days. I called him yesterday and I said, how's Danny? He said, man, she's doing good. You don't hear her? And she was just wailing in the background. But, but, but when, when, she, when that baby doesn't get that milk that satisfies her, she's crying. She wants it. She's longing for it. And that's the thing. We should be craving God's word. We should be craving God just like that newborn baby. See, there's a lot of people in the, a lot of you in here today, a lot of us are on different walks with God. A lot of us have just, some of you have just gotten saved. Some of you have been saved for years. Some of just a couple months. But, but no matter where you are with your walk with God, do you crave him like that newborn baby? That, that, shows, that shows your intentionality. Do I crave God's word? Do I, do I crave it so much that, that I have to have it? And if I don't have it, I feel empty inside. Craving that spiritual milk. See, and if we don't, if we're not that pe those people that crave God's word, that just want it more than anything, then we become a people like in 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul, he had went and planted that church in Corinth, in Corinth and, when he was, and then he left. And he heard that there was really no change in the people. And he starts out, he says, brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. He says, I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. You are still worldly. For since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? So he goes back to this church that's been established, and the people aren't pursuing God. They're not pursuing, they're not growing. They hadn't grown anything. They've, they've, they've accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, but yet that's it. They haven't been active in pursuing God. I want to tell you, when you're active in pursuing God, God changes you, amen? He don't, and not just, not just this feeling where, you, where you're overwhelmed with his presence. No, he changes you because you want to please him. You want to do what he wants you to do. You want to live the way he wants you to live. How are you going to know those things unless we're not in his word? See, a lot of us think that, that salvation is, is all there is to it. Salvation is the first step in the walk with Christ. Salvation is where, it's, where, it's where it all begins. It starts with salvation, and then we are to be growing. Verse 23, in chapter 1 of First uh, Peter, it says, for you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. So if we've been born again, that, that seed has been planted and it's, it's, take, it's been taking root. We've got to, there's going to be some evidence of that, right? I'm going to read verse 2 again where it says, we crave spiritual milk. So, so, once you're saved, you're going to be, we should be growing and, and, just, and just craving his word, right? We should be craving to please him, craving him. 
I, I, that's, that was the weirdest thing ever because I hate reading with a passion. Anybody can relate? Anybody? Ooh, I, amen, thank you. I'm not alone. I hate it. But let me tell you, when I got saved, I can't get enough of this thing. I can't get enough of God's Word. You know why? Because I'm not just reading words on a page. It's talking back to me. It's speaking back to me. That's what's so awesome about God's Word is that when I read it, it speaks into my heart. There's not a book on the shelf that does that because it wasn't written and penned by the hand of my God, of my God the Almighty God. I'm telling you, you should crave it. The next thing is, is obedience. In verse 22, it says, Now that you have purified yourselves in obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. So, so the next thing is going to be obedience. Once you grow, when you're growing in Christ, you want to please God. When, he, when, when you read that and it tells you some things that you should do, when God's speaking to you, then you're going to want to do those things. I remember when, when, I, you know, when I first got saved and I was trying to figure out what I needed to do. And, and I started reading that list of, you know, you need, to, you need to do this, you need to do that. I remember when I read the part about not being a drunkard. I was like, oh, what does this mean? And I began to read what God's Word says about drinking. I began to read all those things, and I began to get convicted. And you know what? I had a choice to make right then. When I was convicted about my lifestyle, when I was convicted about Jeremy, I had a decision to make. Was I going to obey God, or was I going to obey the Word of God, or was I going to obey me? Was I going to obey the Word of God, or was I going to obey what I wanted to do? See, ultimately, what you yield to is what has your heart. When I realized that God had my heart, I couldn't do that and, and, and be happy. I couldn't run away from God. I couldn't live in, in sin and, and, and be happy because God had my heart and I was craving Him. See, those two things can't live in the same space. So if we're pursuing God, we want to get rid of those things and just please Him. Amen? When I get to heaven, I don't want God to say, Well, Jeremy, you know what? You lived your life in a way that pleased all your family and all your friends, but you act like you hated me. By the way you lived. Because the way you lived did not back up what you say you believe. And guys, I want to tell you, by living a life that is pursuing God, shows him that we are intent with this. But obeying God. Man, he, he just loves people that obey him. He loves people that obey him. Obeying God is, show, is fruit of, of your salvation. See, and the next thing is loving each other deeply. It says that in the end of that of that verse 22, it said that you will love each other, love one another deeply, love one another from the heart. I want to tell you something. Loving somebody other than your spouse is some of the hardest things you'll do. Loving people that, that don't really love you back. Come on, everybody, everybody good with that? You can love anybody? I mean, love, loving people that are difficult at work. Come on now. Let's get real. People that, people that are just hard to deal with. It's hard to love those people. But see, God said we should have deep love for one another. Deep love for one another as far as people that are in the body of Christ, but also love for other people that are hard to deal with. I remember when I first got saved, I couldn't, I've told you this story a thousand times. I, would, I, could, I, I didn't even cry at my grandmother's funeral because I thought that was a sign of weakness. I ain't going to cry. I'm a man. I ain't going to cry. I get saved. Man, I'll, drop, I'll cry at the drop of a hat. It's like, look at that little sissy. I mean, I was just like, Whoa. I mean, it'll be sobbing, crying. 
But you know what breaks me the most is when I think about people that I love and care about that are not living for Christ. That'll break me down in a minute because my love is deep for them because I want them to know the Savior. Do you love people? Maybe that's the area you need to grow in. Maybe that's the area that God needs to help you in. God, help me love people. I, I, I prayed that a lot. Lord, help me love people. Because when we've been hurt by people, when we've been, when we've been stabbed in the back by people that we love, by people that we trust, it's hard to let that guard down. But God's telling you, look, you got to love people deeply. What else does God's word say later, in, later on in there? It says people will know you by your Come on, love. People will know you by your love. They will recognize you but that you are a child of God because you love them. That's another step in that. And the next thing in, in verse 1 of chapter 2, it says, Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. It's killing sin. When you're growing, you're killing sin in your life. You're slaying it. See, a lot of times, we're just easy with that. We want to get rid of sin in our life just, just real easy. We think that it's going to be no big deal. Let me tell you, the struggle is real. I'm going to say that again. Because trying to live a life for Christ, you're, you're fighting against yourself. You're fighting, against, you're fighting a war, amen? amen. And when we're trying, we've got, we got to be intentional with killing the sin in our life. It's no, you're not going to be right before God. You're not going to be obeying God if you're just constantly just, you know, just being, oh, okay, I'll... So what I gossiped yesterday. So what I cussed out my supervisor yesterday. I'm a child of the king. No, look, you're supposed to be pursuing God. And if those things don't break your heart, then something's wrong with your heart. We need to be pursuing God. And if there's issues in there, if we have a heart condition, I'm telling you guys, if that doesn't bother you, if, if when you're falling into sin, you can't walk in sin and think you're pleasing God. And if we're growing into Christ, if we're growing into his image, we're going to be walking in repentance. We're going to be walking a lifestyle that when we, yes, we're going to mess up. We're going to do things. Sometimes our temper is going to flare up. We're going to say something that we shouldn't. But when that happens, we have to show our humility and admit that we're wrong and say, brother, please forgive me. Sister, please forgive me for doing those things and ask God to forgive you. Pursuing godliness is not easy. We have to swallow a lot of pride. Me and Dallas were talking about this the other day. I think pride is the root of all evil. I think pride manifests a lot of a lot of things inside of us that allow us the reason we don't follow God passionately and pursue Him. So maybe when you say, God, help me with this pride, God, help me remove this pride from my heart. Help me remain humble. Because if you aren't humble, He'll humble you. You don't want Him to humble you. So we need to walk in repentance, not being satisfied with sin in your life, not being satisfied with living the way you are. One of the biggest cop-outs that I hear all the time is, man, that's just my personality. So you mean tell me your personality is you're hateful, you're mean, you say hurtful things, but yet you say you're a child of God. Those things are conflicting, amen? So, so if, if, the, if the way I am is different than the way you should be following God, then guess what? You need to change you. You need to pursue God more passionately. You need to get on your knees more. You need to have your britches wore out because you're on your knees praying for God to help change you. Because if it's all about you and not about Jesus, you're not going to change. You're not going to pray God to change you. 
And if you're struggling with the same thing over and over and over, guess what? Maybe you need to ask God to help you. See, there's some sin in my life. There was a lot of sin in my life that I couldn't, I couldn't rid on my own. I had, to, I had to hunker down. I had to do some drastic things for God to remove them. There's some sin in my life that God removed like this. I mean, it was just no big deal. Lustful eyes, bam, it's gone. Just different things. My temper, God removed almost immediately. Those things. But my mouth of, of saying, saying vulgar things, telling dirty jokes, telling those things, my mouth was the hardest thing to change. But it broke me when I did it. Because I, I knew I'm, I'm, I'm a child of the king. I'm a representation of Jesus Christ. And if I'm, if I'm over here cussing and I'm over here saying these things that, that don't glorify God, then it's look, making Jesus look bad. So as I started doing those things, it broke my heart when I, when I would do them. So I went down one day and I just said, God, I need you to remove them for me. And I fasted for a week. And when, because some things... God's Word says some things only come out through fasting and prayer. And I started fasting. I fasted that week, and I prayed for God to remove it. And praise God, he took it away. How intentional are you about removing sin in your life? See, that, I'm not putting you on a pestle. I'm just telling you where I am and what, what God was doing in my heart. But we have to be that intentional about it. We have to want to please God so much. Say, Lord, if you don't want me to eat for two months, I, want, I don't want to do it. I just want to please you. You don't want me to watch TV for the next 10 years. That's fine, God. I just want to please you. See, our growth is so important. We need to seek out the blind spots in our life. There's a lot of stuff in our hearts that we don't know that we're, that we're sinning against. That's just how we've been. I want to tell you, planting this church revealed a lot of sin in my life that I, that was, I was blind to. And some of it was pride. And, and when, I, when I realized those things, I was like, whoa, I thought I was pretty good. I didn't know that was there. Well, and, and, and it forced me at a fork in the road of saying, Jeremy, are you going to remain prideful or are you going to submit to me? And I had to choose. And it's a daily battle, and I'm, and, and, and I'm facing that every single day. I'm trying to slay it every single morning. But that's where we have to be. See, one thing I've realized, the way you can tell people that are following Christ and people that are not, I ain't going to say believers and non-believers. No, people that are following Christ. Because there's a difference. People believe in Jesus, but, nobody, but, but then they don't follow him. People that are following Jesus Christ. You can tell the difference between people that are passionately following Jesus Christ and people that are not by the way they deal with sin. Because you can't walk in sin. You can't walk in a way, you can't live a life in a way you know don't please God and say that you're following Christ. Those two things just don't happen. We've got to be passionately pursuing him. And I promise, I'm not trying, y'all look like I'm, I'm beating you over the head with a baseball bat. I promise. I love you guys. And I care about you immensely. And, I'm, and, and I realize, I want, you to tell, I want to tell you something. I have to preach these messages to myself before I can preach them to you. When I was preaching this message this past week to myself, God's convicting me of stuff. I'm not perfect. Just because I'm the, I'm, I'm the pastor and, I'm, and that, that don't make me perfect. Amen? Amen. Thank you. <laughs> you didn't have to be so enthusiastic about it, though. <laughs> I struggle, too. God, God's revealed stuff in my heart. But the thing is, even at me as a pastor, I have to submit to God. I have to be passionately in love with Jesus Christ. If not, I'm not going to be useful. 
And a lot of people are useful, useless Christians because they're not yielding to the Spirit and they're not slaying sin in their life. They've been sitting on a pew for the last 50 years, but they're still the same cantankerous person they were they was when they got saved because they not they have not walked in a, in a way that's been pleasing to God. They're not allowing this stuff to sink into their heart. And we've got to be those people. And we've got to grow. If we're going to be the people he's called us to be, we have got to grow. Grow is not an option. We have to be growing. And when I think about us individually slaying sin and not living in sin, it's hard to do that on your own. We, didn't, we weren't created to be an island. We wasn't created to all of a sudden when we get saved, it's like, all right, Jeremy, go figure it out. Go figure it out on your own. My word, says, God, my word says that God says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Amen. When I got to looking at this, Jesus sent his disciples out. When he sent out the minister, he sent them out two by two. He sent people out together because he knew, he knew that we needed each other. See, we grow, we grow faster when we grow together. I've realized that in my life. I mean, I can tell you from, from when we started to plant this church and we, st- we actually have, I finally had a community of believers that were holding me accountable. Let me tell you something. I grew more in six months than I had in probably three years because I had people holding me accountable. I knew there were people around me that were depending on me, and I can probably vouch for everybody that's been in a connect group. When you're in, when you're together, you grow closer, you grow faster because you've you got people around you holding you accountable. When I think about growing together, I think about, I've always thought about Titus. Titus chapter 2. Paul tells us, he says, look, likewise, teach the older women to be reverent in the way they live, not to be slanderous or addicted to much wine, but to teach what is good. Then they can urge the younger women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled and pure, to be busy at home, to be kind, and to be subjective to their husbands so that no one will malign the word of God. And, some, and some, most translations say no one will dishonor the word of God. In the same way, encourage the young men to be self-controlled in everything, set them an example. By doing what is good in your teaching, showing integrity, seriousness, and soundness of speech that cannot be condemned so that those who oppose you may be ashamed because they have nothing bad to say about us. So when I think about growing together and growing in community, that right there paints a picture of not older people teaching younger people, but people that are more mature in their faith helping disciple and teach people that are younger in their faith. I told this story last week in Connect Group that I don't know how many men I went to that were older than me and asked them to disciple me when I first got saved, knowing that I needed it, knowing that I didn't have all the answers. I got a couple teachers in here that taught me in school. They know I ain't very smart. So I was trying. Thank you for not saying amen. But I was trying my best. To, to find somebody that was going to link me up and help me, guide me. But you know what? Every man I asked, you know what he said? I didn't have time. Don't have time. Or either I had one man that said he would, but he never called me. And when I called him, he wouldn't answer the phone. So that gave me a good, good idea that he didn't want anything to do with it. 
And it took me so long just trying to go through this stuff by myself. When I ran with questions, I didn't have anybody to, to turn to. I didn't have any questions. I said, if I had questions, I, I couldn't. I just couldn't. I just had to rely on God. And God helped walk me through it. If you don't have anybody, God's going to be your somebody. But I want to tell you, when I started having people in my life, pour into my life, hold me accountable, when that finally happened, growth just exploded. See, God's Word teaches us that we need each other, and we need to be pouring into one another. That's how we grow. See, when I think about growing together, I think about team sports. I think about when I played football. In high school, I, was, I played football. I was a 135-pound center. You know why I was a center? Because I was the slowest runner on the whole team. God gave me long legs but not the ability to put them in front of each other very fast. And I rode the bench a lot. But let me tell you something about I had a uniform, and I was on the team. That's all that mattered at that point in my life. I was football. That was cool. But going back to that, though, you know what? The team atmosphere just has always stuck with me. Because when we, were, when we were in practice, when they were throwing passes, and if somebody missed the ball and they dropped it, if they messed up, they, if, they, if they had an error, did the, the coach never said, you know what, you're a failure, you sit down, and you'll never play again. No, he never did that. He encouraged them. He said, look, this is where you messed up, man, and this is what you need to do. Go back out and try it again and correct it. And they kept doing it. They kept doing it until they got it right. And that's what he's called us to be for each other, not condemn each other, not sit there and look down our noses at those people. But when you see people that are struggling, if they're, if they're really pursuing Christ, and if they're struggling, and if they're, if they're going through the same things that God has delivered you out of, we have a responsibility to go to them and say, hey, brother, I know you're struggling, but this is what God did in my life. And help walk them through that. Just to allow people to remain in that sin and you see that they're struggling through it, that's doing them a disservice and it's not doing what God's called us to do. He's called us to grow together. I mean, I've had, I've had instances in my life where I've had people come to me and say, you know, Jeremy, I think, I think this right here in your life is wrong. And, and I'll, I'll be honest with you, the first thing that they did when they did that, I was like, man, you better back up. You don't know me. You don't know what's going on in my life. But then when I got home, God kind of convicted me of that, and I backed up, and I said, hey, will you help me with this? Will you help walk me through this? See, walking, when you realize that you're, that you're in, a, in a position, when you realize that you've messed up, when you realize that, that something's going on, it's easier to pursue God when you know there's somebody else got your back. Amen? When you know there's somebody else that's going to help walk you through it, you're not just going to be condemned and looked down upon. See, God's called us to do this together not by ourselves. See, when I think about growing together, how others help, help you pursue God more fervently, and I always go back to Dallas because Dallas was the first really friend I ever had to really pour in to me, and he never knew it, and he's not here, so I can tell this story because I don't want to blow his head up bigger than it already is. But Dallas at 16 years old knew the Bible better than people that I had known had been to church their whole life. That boy knew the Bible. And I was just, all I had was a lot of life. I had a lot of life experiences. I, had, I can't remember Scripture. I, man, my memory is shot. I can't remember it. Dallas can quote, right then he was quoting Romans, and I was like, oh, man, I'm supposed to be discipling this boy. And look, what, he's, he's like way above me. 
But what that did is I, I had a lot of life that I had lived, and God showed me what was wrong in different areas of my life. So I, had to, I was able to speak truth when he came up to a situation, when he came up to a problem, when he came up to something. I was able to say, Dallas, look, bro, this here is going you, you to, if you go this way, it's going to be away from God. You need to make sure that you're doing this because if you do, if you go the wrong way, I can tell you what's going to happen. This, this, and this is going to happen. I was able to give him guidance and counsel because of my life. And then him, knowing the Bible as much as he did, it pushed me to want to know God's word more. I didn't want that 16-year-old little boy to shame me. I didn't want that to happen. Don't ask me to quote no scripture. You know, I didn't want him to do that at that time. I was like, Dude, you, you, you listen to me. Don't, don't, don't talk to me. You just listen to me. But because of that relationship, because of, because of how God was moving in his life, it was bringing me closer to Christ. And a lot of the tensionality in my life was started from that relationship. And, and so just because when you're pouring into somebody else, don't think they need you. You need them just as much as they need you. That's why God's called us to be a church that does life together. That's why God's called us to be a part of a community. That way we grow together. I love sitting in a connect group and listening to, to people, how they struggle through the week or what God's told them. And, and it just it gives me so much just so much excitement to see God moving in people's lives. And when you see God doing something in somebody's life, it's encouraging so you, for you can do something for somebody else, to keep looking. Amen? That's what God's called us to grow together. And the other thing that helps is that it helps us see, the, it helps us see the, our blind spots because you can see the insufficiencies in my life a lot of times better than I can see my own. You can get no amens on that, huh? We don't want to deal with that. We don't, we, people, people call out problems in our life, but look, if our, if our goal is to pursue Christ, if our goal is to, is, is to be made in the likeness of him, if our goal is to, to look more like Jesus, then I want somebody to tell me when I'm wrong, right? That's what I want. And in telling you this, about, probably about two months ago, Dallas and I sat down and I said, I said, look, I want you to write down some things that I need to change that you see that I'm doing wrong. I want you to write some things down. He's like, are you serious? I was like, yeah. He said, I don't think I got enough paper. I said, one page. <laughs> and I said, I'll do the same for you. So we sat down, and we spent about 30 minutes telling each other about those things that we need to change. And we spent about another 30 minutes trying not to fight and be mad at each other. But then we prayed for one another. And in that list, we have been pursuing God, trying to help God remove the blind spots from my life. Because I want, I want to look more like Jesus, not like Jeremy. And that's the same thing. And that's how all of us should be. I want to pursue God. Find somebody in your life. If, and it's all about growing, amen? It's about growing more in him. So find somebody in your life to be truthful and say, hey, this is, I've, I've seen the way you acted in certain situations, and that doesn't please God. Well, I think you need to pray about God changing that. That's how we need to be. When, when we grow together... It's it just it's so awesome to see how we become closer to Christ and we're made more in the image, but we, we accomplish the mission. We grow into the mission of Jesus Christ that he's laid on our that he's laid for us to do. He's called us to what? To be built into a spiritual house, right? They're looking at me blank. To be built into a spiritual house. He says, look, as you come to him a living stone rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. 
So when we're actively growing, we're building up the spiritual house. How many times have you heard people say, they, they talk about certain people, I'm not going to name anybody, but they talk about certain people that, that have, they call themselves Christians and they've, they've gone to so-and-so church and they'd be like, you can't even tell they're Christian. You can't even tell, but you see them at the football game and they act like a slap hoodlum and you, don't even, you can't tell they even know Jesus, right? Some of you looking like you are that person. Now, that's the thing, and I don't want to be that person. I don't want to be the one that, that causes, any, causes any kind of doubt, that causes any kind of anybody, any dishonor to God's word, amen? We should be pursuing him that way. But see, when we're actively growing, we're building up that spiritual house so that when we are at the football game, when we are somewhere else, and people are expecting you to act like a hoodlum, you don't. And they're like, well, what happened to, what happened to Chad? Chad usually acts crazy at these things, but then today... Today, Chad is kind of, he's kind of cool about it. And they go to Chad and say, Chad, what, what's happened? What, what's wrong? You having a bad day? He's like, no, man. I'm just trying to follow God, and I know the way I did act didn't please God. And they go like, whoa, what? And gives Chad an opportunity to tell them about the Jesus that changed him. When we grow together, and we're growing on the mission, and we're focused on it, it allows us to leave an inheritance to the next generation they wouldn't have any other way. See, a lot of times we're so focused on trying to leave money and leave houses and leave lands to our kids, to, to, to people that are the next generation. We're, we're saving up money, putting money in the piggy bank. We want them to be financially secure, but we leave them spiritually bankrupt. We're trying to pursue all these things. God's Word says don't lay up treasures on earth that thieves and moths can destroy, but store up for yourself treasures in heaven. And that's what God's called us. And when we're growing in Christ-likeness, we're storing up an inheritance. We're storing up a treasure for our kids in the next generation. And, and that has not been so more so real to me than here lately. But I want to put a deposit in the life, not of just of my kids, but of, of kids, of, of just, when we had, well, let me tell you something. We did that, that, uh, that blast, that VBS for blast. I sat down with some kids. And nobody in, my family, nobody in my little group had a daddy at home. We asked them about all kinds of questions about Jesus, and they didn't even know. They were so far in left field, it was, it was a shame. And it was like, we're, you're in the Bible Belt. They live in Jenkins County. Why don't you know this? Because nobody's pouring that into them. And when we grow in Christ, we have a love for other people. We desire to, to, for those people to know Jesus Christ, people that are far from God. I want to leave an inheritance behind, amen? I want people to, when I die, don't say that Jeremy had a great job, that Jeremy made a lot of money. I want, to say, I want people to say Jeremy loved Jesus Christ, amen? Because of the way he lived, the way he loved other people. People can tell that I was growing in the likeness of Christ. And I think one of the things that kind of got me more than anything is this week I was reading 2 Kings, and as I read, it talked about king after king. King after king, and it says, this king did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And then the next one, his son would take his place, and he would say, All right, this king, he did more evil than his father. And then the next generation, he did more evil than his father. Guys, we got to break the cycle somewhere. A lot of you in this room grew up in a household that, that was not godly at the time. And it's time to break the cycle. Allow your kids to grow up in a, in a, in a relationship, in a family that loves Jesus Christ. Give them that inheritance. 
When we focus on God and focus on knowing God more, we'll be closer to him. And we'll allow the next generation to be closer to God than we we were when we, when we first met him. When I look at this generation, when I look at how passive everyone is right now about Jesus, am I the only one that it, that it bothers? It bothers me when I look at people and they have no desire for God. You know why? Because the generation before them had no desire for God. And it keeps getting dampered down generation after generation. If we want to change the cycle, then guess what? We've got to be the changer. We've got to be the one that makes the change. And it starts with you. It starts with me. We talk about we want revival. Revival's got to start with me before it starts anywhere else. If we want to change it, it's got to be about me. So what's God doing in your heart today? What's God doing in your life today? What do you, what do you need to change? What, what do you need to grow in? What do we need to grow in? I want to tell you, what do you think is the biggest hindrance in your life right now for growing in Christ? Be honest with yourself. Nobody knows you better than you. And serving God is not comfortable. You're going to have to do some things that are uncomfortable sometimes. You're going to walk away from relationships that, that, that were uncomfortable some, sometimes. We've got to be able to, to pursue God no matter what the consequences are because he is enough. Amen? Growing sometimes is hard. Growing is sometimes painful. But it's worth it. It's necessary. If we are going to be made into the likeness of Christ, we're going to be built into the spiritual house he's called us to be built into. So today I want to ask you a question. If you're not growing, there's two reasons. There's only two reasons. It's either one, that you're not following him, therefore you don't know him, or number two is that you just slap lazy and you need God maybe this morning to kick you in the behind and spur you along to make you be the people and the man that God, or the woman that God's called you to be. We've grown up in a society that it's all about religion. It's all about going to church. And you see very, spiritual, very little spiritual growth in some people that's been going to church their whole lives. This week I was reading Acts 19, and when I was reading Acts 19, God just spoke to me in that. It was talking about it was seven Jewish leaders and they were, they were going to cast a demon out of a man. And all seven of them went to the man to cast the demon out. And he said, they said, I cast this out in the name of Jesus that Paul preaches about. And the demon said to every one of them, I know Jesus and I know Paul. I don't know you. I was just like, man, what's this got to do with anything? Demon said that he knew Jesus, he knew Paul, but he didn't know him. Because he wasn't, they, none of them were just, they were all just religious and they were not true followers of Christ. We can go to the church house. We can have all the knowledge. But if we're not passionately pursuing God, if we're not sh shedding sin out of our life and just wanting in reckless abandonment of ourselves and wanting to be more like God, Maybe it's that we don't know Jesus. That text just made me realize that, you know, we can be associated with stuff. We can be associated with people. You can be associated with a church. And it not affect you. 
We can have the knowledge of something but not be influenced by it unless it's in our heart. We can know right from wrong and choose to do wrong if we don't have it in our heart. One of the biggest things that I remember from, from football was that one of the coaches told me that somebody that's not gifted can be the best, somebody that's not gifted can be the best player on the team because his heart is sold out to the mission. His heart is, he's all in. And maybe today is the reason that you're not following Christ because your heart's not in it. Maybe the reason you're following Christ is because you, you've grown up in church, but your heart's not in it. You've got the knowledge, but you don't have it in your heart. We can know about Jesus and not have the power that Jesus puts in our life, the Holy Spirit puts in our life, unless we surrender to him and he's in our heart. When we understand what Jesus Christ has done for us, that changes everything. But when we act on when we obey God, that's fruit that's showing Jesus Christ that, hey, I'm all in, baby. I'm all in. I'm heart and soul. I want to follow you with every ounce of my being. So are you growing? Because if you're not growing, I want you to ask yourself, do I know him? Because if you don't know him, I want to give you the opportunity to know him today. To know him for the true Savior that he is. To know, to know him, not just up here, but in here. All you have to do is raise your hand and say, I want to accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I'm tired of playing games. I'm tired of, just, I'm tired of thinking that I'm saved, but there's no change in my life. I want to grow. I want to grow into the likeness of the God that created me. If that's you today, just raise your hand and say, that's me. I want, to, I want to do that. I want to surrender today. I've been coming every single Sunday, and I've been a religious person, but today I want to give that up, and I want to know that I know him. If that's you today, raise your hand. Every Sunday, I cringe to think who leaves here that hadn't swallowed their pride and they're worried what people are going to think about them. If I raise my hand, who's going to, what are they going to think? It don't matter what people think. All that matters is about what Jesus Christ thinks about you. You hadn't missed the opportunity. As the band comes up, if God spoke to your heart and you want to come up here and pray, if, if, you need, if you need to pray for salvation, if you want God to save you today, I will stand right up here. You find me and we'll, we'll get together and we'll pray. But I just want to open this up for, for those of you that are saved. Those of you that say that I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, let me tell you, there, there's room for improvement, amen? There's room in my heart. There's things in my life that I need to get right before God so that I can be built into the spiritual house he's called me to be built into. For me to be useful to God's kingdom, there's things that I need to get rid of. There's sin in some of you guys' life you've been holding on to for years. You don't think nobody knows about but God knows. And if we're going to be the people he's called us to be, we've got to come before him humbly and saying, God, I want to obey you more than I want to breathe. God, help rid me of this. 
And that's what this altar is for. If we want to have an impact on this county, if we want, to, if we want this whole county saved for the glory of God, it doesn't matter how awesome these services are. It's about how intently you pursue Jesus Christ. And if you're pursuing him 100% and I'm pursuing him 100% and the next person beside you is pursuing him 100%, they're going to see the church when we're not having service. Amen? They're going to see it in you because you desire Jesus Christ, because you want to know him. You're, you don't want to be the same person. You don't want to be the same gossip, the same liar. You want God to remove those things from you. So when the music starts playing, we're going to play two songs this morning. Give you plenty of time to respond. If the, if the altar's full, full, get behind them and pray. It's the, the we come. Pride keeps a lot of us from stepping forward and coming to this altar and praying because we're worried about people are going to think about us. I don't care what people think about me. I just care what they think about God. Just like in Titus, I don't want to do anything that's going to cause any dishonor to the, to the God that wrote this and gave this to me. I don't want to cause any dishonor that's going to, that's going to cause anybody else to stumble because of the way I live. And if I am wanting to pursue God, I want to be all that he wants me to be. If I want to grow, then I want to give it to him. So maybe there's stuff in your life that you need to give to him today. Maybe, there, maybe you need somebody to pray with you. So, Jeremy, I, I've tried to remove this, and I just can't. I'll be here. If there's somebody up here with a blue shirt on, grab them. They'll pray with you. The most important thing is not leaving here the same way. It's leaving here changed, leaving here delivered, leaving here set free. That's the point. We come to the presence of the mighty God, and he removes things from us. But we have to desire him to want him to remove it. So the ball's in your court. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you right now, Lord. Lord, we all know that we all have our faults, Father. Lord, even those of us in this room that have been following you passionately for years, there's still things in our life that we need to change, God. Not that we need to change because of our own preference. Not that we need to change because of what we want, because you, mighty God, said. Lord God, I pray that all of us would seek our hearts, Lord. All of us would search our hearts, Father, and there's anything, anything not in your word. If our lives don't match up, if there's things in our life that don't match up to your word, if there's things in our lives that, that we're falling short on, God, I pray that you reveal them to us right now, Lord. And Father, I pray in the powerful name of Jesus Christ that we will not be able to stand where we are. We will not be able to just leave here without repenting. We will not be able to remain the same, God. I pray in the name of Jesus that, that you would bring us to repentance, Father. Help us, Lord, be your people. Because we know that you are our God. Father, we humbly come before you asking this, God. We want to know you, Father. We want to know you, God. We want to know what you want us to do. We want to know our purpose. God, we want to know all these things. But God, most importantly, Lord, we want to know that we are pleasing you. So God, just reveal things to us. Lord, help us just move through these aisles, move through these pews. God, move through here and God, convict us, Lord. Change us, Lord. Help us, God, be your, your people that you're proud of. 
Help us, God, be people that are growing into the likeness of Christ. Help us, God, be intentional with being built into the spiritual house you've called us to be built into. So the people in the community can see us and see how we live and see how we're pursuing you. And God, they know that we are a child of the King. And Lord, if they can't see that, then God change us. The most important thing we can do, Lord, is surrender to you today. Break the hard hearts, Lord. God, break down the walls of pride. Break down the walls of fear. Break down the walls of judgmentalness, Lord. Break down the walls of self-righteousness, Father. God, I pray right now, just like David, Lord, if there's any wicked way about us, Lord, if there's any sin in our hearts, God, I pray that you reveal it to us, God, so that we may ask for forgiveness and we may repent, so that we may follow you more intently, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for speaking to us. I thank you, God, for being here. In Jesus' name.